hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who, has, who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for, a, for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I forgot to, wait a minute, hold on. I forgot my bulletin. And we all say together, we should have it memorized by now, right? All and all grass field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. I got the last phrase. So go ahead and grab a seat. Lord, the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray. A great request on their part. When I was a kid growing up, uh, we used that prayer God, before meals. God is great. God is good. Now we thank you for our food. By his hands we all are fed. Give us, Lord, this daily bread. Amen. How many of you are recognizing that prayer? All right. Nice. So that's what I grew up on. And then I went away to Bible college. And I, I can't remember, but after two or three years of Bible college, we went to my wife's uh, mother's house for lunch. And one of her five or six-year-old nephews was there. And of course, her mother, her mother asked me to pray because I was the theology student, you know. So I mustered all of my theological understanding in that one prayer before we ate. And after I was done, the five-year-old said, that wasn't so good. God is great as better. So that's just to keep us in our place, right? To understand that prayer is an ongoing understanding. But let's look at this prayer. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. So he begins with this most intimate word, Father. Father is really a word of intimacy. In reality, all of us have only one earthly father. And the Bible teaches us to show respect for our parents. But just that word, to be able to say to the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the whole universe, the sustainer of life, the one who is eternal, to be able to say to him, 
Father. What a privilege. What an honor. It's, it's beyond comprehension. When we look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. But look, God so loved us so much that he gave you and I the privilege to call him Father. Isn't that amazing? This almighty God, this great God, this amazing God, this all-knowing, omniscient, ever-present God allows you and I to come before him and say, Father. That's so amazing. And that's because of what Jesus did on the cross. So we start there, and then hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. That word hallowed comes from the word holy, and it means separate, none like him. Hallowed is your name. Hallowed is, holy is your name. I, I don't know if we comprehend that. Sometimes I'm not sure I comprehend that. Maybe, maybe a couple examples. You remember when Isaiah saw the very presence of the Lord God Almighty, what did he say? Woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I, missed in the, I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips, but my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Holy is your name. John, when he was banished to the Isle of Patmos, had a vision of Jesus, King Jesus, and his hair was flowing white, and his eyes were like blazing fire, and his feet were like burnished bronze, and out of his mouth came a sword like the sword of the Spirit, and the Bible says John fell on his face as one who is dead. Hallowed be your name. Coming into the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Can we do anything else? When we recognize his great love for us and who he is and his power and majesty, can we say anything else but holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. And then Jesus says, <clears throat> he talks about the will of God. And he says, your kingdom come, Father. Your kingdom come. Matthew adds, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is our king. And he invites us to be a part of his kingdom. Not just saved, but believing in the values of his kingdom under his rule as king. So what does this look like? 
Well, Jesus gives us a glimpse of your kingdom come when in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about being salt and light in the world, dealing with anger and hate instead of murder, dealing with lust instead of adultery. And as the people of God, divorce normally is, is not an option for us. Fasting, placing our treasures in heaven instead of on the earth, trust instead of anxiety, judging ourselves before judging others, asking, seeking, and knocking because our Father wants to give us good gifts. And the path is narrow and fewer on it. And we are being recognized not by what we have or how we can teach or anything, but by our fruits. Building life on the rock who is Jesus. So how are we doing living out the values of the kingdom of God? How are you doing living out these values that God, is, Jesus, established in his kingdom? This is God's pattern for life in his kingdom. And we need to constantly be challenging and encouraging one another to live out these kingdom principles. Let me say that again, because I think this is important as God's people as we understand the one another's and how we share and encourage. He said, we need to constantly be challenging and encouraging one another to live out these kingdom principles. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And once we establish that on our knees or however our position is in prayer, then we get to the point where we can make our requests known. I'm afraid that sometimes we get so quick to run into asking, we forget to establish who it is that we are asking from the one who can meet our every need, the one who has the power and the authority to do anything that we need in our lives. But it's interesting to look at the three things then Jesus says as we are going to ask in prayer. And I, I believe that <clears throat> the Bible says that Jesus had just finished a time of prayer. So I'm thinking these are things that were on his mind. These were things that were in his heart. And so he teaches us, first of all, give us each day our daily bread. Well, what does that look like? Give us each day our daily bread. What, what does daily bread look like? What did you have for breakfast this morning? Let's go around the world here from Ecuador. Wonka, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Coffee and eggs. Josh is from a different planet. There's nobody as tall as he is. 
Josh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? A protein shake. Very interesting. What did you have for breakfast this morning, Andrew? All right. Anybody have something weird for breakfast this morning you want to share? Pizza? That is a little weed weird for breakfast, but I guess people have. But you know, daily bread is often determined culturally, but it's also determined economically. What is daily bread? What is it that we need on a daily basis that will sustain us? I was in a camp in Brazil where breakfast was a, a small little loaf of bread with margarine on each side and a cup of coffee with milk. Everybody's fine. Breakfast for our brothers and sisters in in Mozambique is maybe nothing or it might be just a little bowl of porridge and water. What, what is it that we really need to sustain life? And then you remember what Jesus said in John 6? I am the bread of life. So yeah, we need physical food, but then we also need Jesus on a daily basis. What is it that we need to sustain life? What, what would cause us to be satisfied with what Jesus gave us? So look at, look at the example of the Apostle Paul here in Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, I think it's up there, yeah where he says, uh, beginning at verse 11, where he says that, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. How are we doing here, folks? I don't do very well with that. To be content in whatever I have to eat, to dress, to live in. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound <clears throat> in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret. <clears throat> Here it is. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. You want to know the secret? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What do you need to sustain life on a daily basis? And what does that look like? Paul then also speaks to Timothy and warns him in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6 when he says this, not that I'm speaking of being in need. Wait, can we go to 1 Timothy 6, the next one? There we go. But godliness with what? With what? Godliness with contentment is 
Good stuff, right? Isn't that what he says? Great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we are not going to take anything out of it with us. Years ago, I read about a guy. You remember the old Edsel car? Ford put out this Edsel car that was a complete failure. It was a big car, and was the old guys are shaking their head. The kids are saying, what in the world? And, 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 and this guy was a rich guy, and in his will, he put that when he died, he wanted to be buried in his Edsel. Is he going to drive down the streets of gold in heaven or what in the world? We're not going to take, we didn't come with anything. We're not going to leave with anything, folks. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be what? Will we? Or do I have to have a better meal and more clothing, fancier clothing? But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. And then teach me how to be content with that. Does that mean we never strive to get ahead? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about learning how to be content where we are right now so that we can focus on God. And the truth that we see here is that how much do we really need to sustain life and at the same time have a healthy trust? in the Lord to provide all we need. Didn't Jesus say something like that? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and I'll take care of the rest. How you doing? Again, I confess, I don't do that really well. But it is a truth in God's word, right? We need to constantly be challenging and encouraging one another to live out this pattern of the kingdom of God. And then forgive thou our sins, as also we are forgiving everyone who is indebted to us in verse 4. Forgiveness is a key attribute for God's people. There's a direct correlation between our forgiveness in the Bible and our determination to forgive others. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, where Jesus teaches this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. Tough stuff, isn't it? How do we pray? How do we pray? Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. And here's the thing. I think is once we truly experience God's love that leads him to forgive us, once we truly experience that in our hearts, then we are more open to forgiving others. 
with God, we understand that this is a one-time action. God forgives us. It's done. It's over. Praise his holy name. But for us, it's an ongoing, continual process. Most of you know what James 5.16 says. It's not up. I don't have a slide for that one. But I took the liberty to do a Bruce Colson translation. And it would be something like this. You be constantly confessing your sins to one another. And you be constantly praying for one another so that you might be healed. So when Jesus says that our prayer time needs to be a time of constantly confessing our sins, once again, how do we do with that? And once again, I don't do really well with that. But by the way, that's not a suggestion. That's not a good idea for the church to promote. That's a commandment in the Bible. Confess your sins. Forgive us our sins, Father. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin us against us. And then finally, in these three requests, and notice the nature of them. Give us what we need to sustain life on a daily basis. Forgive us on a regular basis because we keep messing up. And then finally, God lead us not into temptation. And Matthew adds again, but deliver us from the evil one. Do we really understand the spiritual battle that's going on for our lives? Do you really understand the spiritual battle that's going on for your life? When I went to Brazil as a missionary, I had five years of Bible college, three years of seminary, and two years of mission school preparation. In all of that preparation, nobody ever taught me how to deal with the demonic. And then I went to Brazil. And it was there because of uh, African spiritism. It was there because of Catholic mysticism. And so the first time, I know God is merciful. Because the first time a lady came up to me in a church service and asked for prayer, and I put my hand on her head and prayed for her, and she fell down just squabbling all kinds of garbage out of her mouth. I said, Lord, what do I do now? I didn't have training for this. There was no classroom experience that taught me how to deal with that. But I had been around some other Brazilian pastors, so I knelt down, laid my hand on her head, and I said, in the name of Jesus, you come out of her. And she was set free. And I walked away and I said, whoa, God, your name is powerful. We sang it today, right? What a powerful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a powerful name it is. This name, Jesus, 
And so when Jesus teaches us to pray that prayer, Lord, lead us not into temptation. He is saying, I am your source of power to overcome temptation. And it gives us what we need. Look what the Bible says here in 1 Peter 5, 8. So that we understand the battle that's going on. Your adversary, the, excuse me, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to gobble up, chew up, and spit out and walk away laughing. That's how he does it. Have you ever seen anyone who has fallen into the trap of the enemy? I have a good pastor friend in Brazil. I've known him for years. And in one moment of weakness, he falls into immoral sin. Trap of the enemy. If I had time, I'd tell you about a trap God set up for me. And it was only because of a friend of mine, a brother of mine, that we were in a discipling relationship that opened my eyes to the trap that was being set so that I didn't fall into it. There's an enemy out there just waiting for a moment of weakness so he can gobble you out and spit you out and walk away laughing. And then look what it says here in 1 John 5.19. We know that we are from God. That's good news. Hallelujah. We are from God. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world. There's a battle going on for your soul, my friend. And so this prayer of lead us not into temptation is very important for us because the enemy is out there and to pray for one another not to be led into temptation but that we would be delivered from the evil one. Because he's out there. And he's out there to get us. Now, I don't want you to go away saying, whoa, this is sad. The enemy's out there. Well, First John also says, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And we just saying today about the powerful name of Jesus. So we have power. We can have victory. Jesus said, in the world you will have afflictions, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So the world we live in today is increasingly ungodly, which is causing a lot of confusion in the minds even of those who claim to be followers of Jesus. And we need to be aware. So three things, Jesus says, that are really important in our lives. We need daily sustenance and we need Jesus as the bread of life. We need to constantly ask for forgiveness of our sins because we're all screwing up all the time. Anybody want to say amen to that? And then thirdly, lead us not, oh God, 
into temptation. I understand there's a battle out there, and I need to have victory. So in Luke chapter 11, we read this about what Jesus said about what he has to give us. Look again, it's not up there on the screen, so look in your Bibles at verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? No, nobody would do that. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? No. If you then know how, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There's the answer. The Holy Spirit. Walk in communion with the Holy Spirit. And you can be satisfied with the daily bread God gives you. And you can be willing to confess your sins because God will forgive you. And even to each other so that God can heal you. And you will have the strength that you need to overcome every temptation that the, that the enemy throw at you. Those are the important things of life, friends. And now what Jesus said, here's the three important things. Not the new car, not the better life. I mean, God does care about us, so we do pray for healing, and we do pray for marriages that are in trouble, and we pray for a lot of things. But here are the three things Jesus said need to be a priority in our prayer time. Help me, oh God, be content with the daily sustenance that you give me and not get distracted by running after what this world offers. Help me, oh God, to constantly be willing to for ask for forgiveness from you and from each other so that we can be healed, and then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some of the manuscripts don't have this last part in, but I like it. Would you all stand right now with me? And I want you to declare this last phrase because we know it very well. I'll say it first. And then I want us to say it together. For thine, O oh God, thine, yours, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let's say it together. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Say it again one more time. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let's all say the Lord's Prayer. I'll, 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 let's say the long one. Okay, let's just repeat it together. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins 
as we forgive those who are sins against or trespasses against. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And amen. Today we're going to meet around the Lord's table. And I'm going to ask you to do this today. Meet in a very small group. Maybe two or th- uh, and, and uh, if possible, from your own community group, two or three families at most. Because here's what I'd like for us to do. <clears throat> Remember what we read? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So here's what I want you to specifically confess this morning. Your struggle to make the name of Jesus holy in your life. Your struggle to make the life pattern of the kingdom of God a life pattern for your life. And if there's anything else, just take a few minutes before you partake. Because Paul gave this instruction in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 when he said, let every man examine himself and then partake. So let's do a little examining this morning. Just gather in very small groups. Have a time of confession. And confession can also be acknowledging hallowed be your name. Or just acknowledging I don't deserve it. But you give me the privilege of being one of your children. Just take some time for confession. And then we'll come back and we'll worship the Lord. So the table's open. Go ahead.